Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Higher Battle Podcast. Episode 3, Going Strong. My name is Peyton, and here we talk about Jesus and together walk through the highs and lows of living a life for God. Today, we are talking about something that we all know and love. Fear. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm pretty sure everyone hates that. I sure hate it. It's literally the worst feeling ever. It definitely controls my life more than I'd like it to. Like, seriously. Like, if I could never be afraid again, like, I'd take it. That'd be amazing. It's tricky because as soon as you let fear creep in, it's like our mind feeds off it. But today we're going to talk about some tangible ways to control the fear and better yet, surrender that fear over to God. So what exactly is fear? And why does it seem to be something that has such a big impact on the way we live our life? Well, let's just take a look at the dictionary definition of fear. So fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause you pain or a threat. So I'll start out by asking you this question. How often are your fears actually tangible, actually something threatening you versus just a scenario that is created in your mind? I know for me, almost 100% of my fears, it's ridiculous, is my mind making up scenarios and thinking of all the ways something could possibly go wrong. And specifically, a specific fear of mine is driving at night. This hasn't always been a fear. I used to be fine with it. Um, It's kind of been the past year and a half or so. Um, And basically, I think that Anyone driving around me could potentially hurt me, um, that they could be just someone of evil intentions, I guess I could say. Um, And I hate if someone's following behind me for too long, because then I'll like make up all these scenarios, thinking they're going to follow me home, all these things. Just all these just unreasonable, crazy things that have crippled me from driving home at night. And I'm not saying there aren't like risks to driving at night, there's risks to driving at any time, but this has just been something that my mind has just really grown and made it super hard for me to really um, do that. So, love that. But you see, fear is from the enemy. Those of you who have fears, big or small, it messes you up. Like you, you really can't function properly. It's like the only thing that you can think about. Satan just loves that, guys. He just, he, he's just loving it. When you're freaking out, having fear, Satan loves to enable that for you, that you're just crippled and stuck and just trapped within your own thoughts and your mind. He just loves that. And he loves, most importantly, to distract you from the security of Jesus. We see clear examples of this with Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and 19. I figured it would be a good idea for us to dissect this story today to see how God redeemed Elijah from his fear, encouraged him, and helped him through that. I love this story. I think it's really a great one. So I'll just summarize 1 Kings 18 for you, and then we'll go ahead and read 1 Kings 19. But in 1 Kings 18, basically Elijah is sent um, to do a job for God. Basically, God gives Elijah a task. In the previous chapter, Elijah has been praying for a drought on Israel. Um, Kind of, this is a judgment on Israel. 
um, Elijah meets Ahab, which we have talked about. If you guys watch my Bible studies on YouTube, we have talked about Ahab quite a bit. He's not the great. He's not really a great guy at all. He's really just the worst, actually. But basically, God is sending Elijah first to meet Obadiah. God arranges this meeting, and basically everyone has been searching for Elijah, or I should say Ahab has been searching for Elijah to basically kill him because they know he has been praying and he has been bringing the drought. So Obadiah, when he runs into Elijah, is like, they're literally going to kill me if I let you go, all this stuff. So here is another instance where someone's fear is taking over, Obadiah's fears are taking over, um, they're replacing his like belief in the um, godly works that is Elijah is doing because Obadiah is someone who um, he is a good guy like he's been helping to save some of the God-fearing men and all these different things because they're being prosecuted during the time but basically his fears take over so Elijah tells everybody to come meet him on Mark Carmel and it's, it's interesting to see um, why Ahab would even listen to Elijah's instructions anyway, because that's kind of weird. So basically, Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. And Elijah just asked them a simple question, like, how long will you waver between two opinions? So basically, uh, people, these Israelites were... They like kind of believed in God, but then they also like worshipped the Baal prophets, so they really had no conviction. They didn't really answer him. So all that goes on. Elijah gives the Baal prophets like something to do. He's like, so pray to your gods and make this altar with this bull um, catch on fire. Like do that. And obviously their gods are fake. Their gods are imaginary. So no fire came. Um, and then Elijah does the same thing and God lights the altar with the bull on fire, the sacrifice. And so this was great, but it was only a momentary um, persuasion. It wasn't like a lasting change, sadly. And then after this, so 1 Kings 18 ends with the drought being over, basically, and that was all through the power of prayer that Elijah just spent so long praying. And then he decides to start on a journey to Horeb, which is a 17-mile run. So the Lord gives Elijah the power to do a 14-mile, I'm sorry, 14-mile run, which is just crazy. I love that. And so Elijah's fear begins in 1 Kings 19. So we'll read this chapter. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked 
over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then, on the strength of that food, he walked forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountains of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. So that, so... Elijah's just real depressed, real discouraged, afraid, worried, like he just got a death threat. So it's stressful. And he's basically saying like doing God's work has been a lot for him. Like he's overwhelming stressed and now he's going to die. Basically, he's lost all hope. And then he's like, I'm a failure. He blames himself for everything. He blames himself for his unworthiness. And so God provides for him here. He's like, here, here's some food and here's some water. Get energized like it's not over. Um, he gives him food and water twice, which means this is just, this is going to be quite the journey for him. And then um, after he gets his strength from all that, Elijah walks for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, which is approximately 200 miles so that is a long way to walk. So God, I just love that God gave him the strength to do that, the strength to continue his works. And that he's basically like, Elijah, let's go. Like, get up. It's going to be fine. So I think we kind of need those pep talks sometimes. And I think it can come in very small forms. And this is just a huge example that we are called to rest and refuel. And sometimes the best way to kind of refuel our spiritual depression or spiritual emptiness is through just getting some rest, eating, make sure you're keeping yourself healthy so that you can do God's work. So then it continues and with Elijah's encounter with the Lord and it says, suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life. I actually love this part because God already knew the answer, but he wanted Elijah to just talk to him about it, to kind of get this off his chest, get this, get this off his heart. So I do really like this part. Um, he's kind of basically saying like, I've been faithful this whole entire time. Like, why is this happening? I've been doing your works and he's feeling alone, which is very common <laughs> when you're a follower follower of Jesus you can either feel like you're just surrounded by other believers surrounded by the presence of God and then you can also have times where you feel just completely alone and completely alone in your walk with God and even just preaching the gospel and preaching God's word can be can can feel like this so he's kind of just telling God all these things and then in verse 11 it says, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So here God, God's realizing that he needs to make himself known and very present to Elijah right now. That's just what he needs to be motivated. See, I just love that. God knows exactly what you need and he will provide you what you need. He always provides. And so basically he creates the wind, the mountains, all this stuff, but the Lord is not in the wind. 
and that's just showing that a lot of times people look towards big huge things that God is doing and they miss the most simple gentle small ways that God is showing himself to them and so I just love how at the end after that was all over God was a voice a soft whisper I just love that and then Elijah is kind of realizing he's like whoa like I really am in the present presence of the Lord right now so he wraps his face in his mantle which during that time was humbling himself because he knew he was in the presence of God so then it goes on to say, Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I, I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. So this, you're probably like, did she just reread something? No, they do say this twice. God asks Elijah the same question again. And it's kind of just this process. He's kind of walking him through this of like, Elijah, say it again. Elijah, say it again. Like, say it again and rest in my comfort. Be strong in your faith right now. Say this again and like reevaluate it. I love that. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king of Aram. You are to anoint Zehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel. I'm the worst at reading these names. My apologies. As prophet in your place. Then Zehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Zehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So basically, God's giving him another task. God knows that Elijah is not going to get over this fear, not going to get through this unless he can focus on something else. So God's giving Elijah another another task to focus on instead of instead of focusing on his fear and he's also giving him encouragement but he says in verse 18 but I will leave 7,000 in Israel and so this is just giving Elijah encouragement that justice will be served and that idolatry does not go unpunished and that he's not alone and then he's going to even have a prophet in his place and he's going to have that friend and that person to help him through this as well. So that's also really cool. Love that encouragement from God. And then we're just going to read through verse 20. Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. I feel like I'm really not saying that name right. But 12 teams of oxen were in front of him and he was with the 12th team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my mother and father, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what I have done to you. So, this is great. Um, he has the mantle again, and that's kind of just showing his authority, and then asking Elisha to join his work, his work for God. And then in the last sentence, it's just talking about um, that it's God's calling for Elisha, not Elijah. Elijah's just the messenger. But this is cool. This is, I like this little story. And it's also, it's also kind of refreshing to see that you can be so high on your faith, so strong in your faith, doing God's work and everything, and then you can be 
um, extreme, like just struggling and in fear, and then God will bring you back out of that. Like, it's cool to see that even when we go through the cycles of fear, anxiety, depression, or anything like that, that God brings you out of those lows, and that Elijah alone wasn't strong enough to bring him out of that depression, out of that fear, but that God had to pull him out of that, and all Elijah had to do was realize that God was in his presence, and Elijah just had to reach out accept that help and grab God's hand and get out of that. So I love that. We all are out doing kingdom work like Elijah, pursuing the Lord and walking on the path that God has called us on. And it can really be scary, exhausting, and even discouraging sometimes because not everyone is going to support your work that you're doing for the Lord. Not everyone's going to understand and things like that. So it can be challenging. It's when we let fear in, we focus on that fear, we find it hard to go on. We want to give up like Elijah was trying to do. Like, I can definitely think of times where I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, sorry, God, I just, it would just be so much easier just to give up right now. But no, like, we have to be strong. And then if we aren't strong enough, asking God for that strength. God can give us this confidence and encouragement in all kinds of different ways. And the coolest, like, cutest thing ever, <laughs> I don't know, is it weird to call God cute? Is that it can be, like, so gentle. It can be like the most gentle, loving little nudge or little like sign that you might miss if you're focused on your fear. But this story of Elijah, this kind of just empowers me and gets me pumped. Like I'm pumped. Um, God calls us all to do something and despite how difficult and draining it may be, he never once leaves our side. He never gives us more than we can handle. And we sometimes just need that little help, that little push from the Lord. But we should be so focused on that task that God gave us that we don't even notice any of our anxious or fear-driven thoughts creep in. Better yet, they don't even creep in at all. Like, that would be incredible. If I could never feel anxious or afraid again, like, which it's possible, guys. And, yeah, it's so possible. It's so possible when your mind is just filled with the Holy Spirit when you're just so focused on that. And you hear it all the time, like memorize verses, memorize those promises and those truths when you are feeling your lowest and when you're feeling those fears creep in, like memorize God's word. I love that. But for me, and maybe some of you relate, I create my fears. I feel like I create my fears. Like I feel like I'm the issue. My flesh is the issue. I have one seed of doubt and anxiety and Satan fuels the rest. I kid you not, I will be doing good, like really good, not really worrying about anything, just like living life and it turns within minutes because I let it. God has given me the strength to have power over those thoughts. So why do I let myself continue this fear cycle? God has given you the strength to have power over those thoughts, over your fears. So why do they keep creeping in? Well, let's look at some ways that we can control our fear together. Like, what are some habits we can form in order to surrender our fear to God as soon as we feel it? Like, you feel just a little bit, like, little teeny bit of fear, and you're like, ah, squashing it. Like, what can we do? What can we do um, to achieve this? So I think something tangible you can do is learn more about God. Learn about the power of God. I think a lot of times our fear is specifically rooted to things that we have not yet surrendered to God. And it may be because we don't think he can handle it. Maybe we think we need to hold all that weight. But 
maybe you diving into the power God has, the amazing like ways God works, the way that he can take all of those burdens from you would help. I think a lot of times we diminish and put God's just glory and power and everything into a container and we're like, yeah, he can only do about this much, but he can do so much. So I think it's almost relearning to trust God again because I don't think we can surrender our fears fully over to him unless we truly trust him. So the more you learn about him, the easier it's going to be for you to trust him. I think creating a reminder for you every single day, starting your day, ending your day, whenever you feel these feelings to just go into prayer right then and surrender those feelings. Like, or even find someone that's accountable for you. Like, found, find someone who can help you through this. I stress a lot about a lot of different things. And like I was telling you guys, it'll creep in. And the other day, Wyatt had to remind me, he's like, you're letting fear creep in. And I was like, oh, I sure am. I think we become numb to it because we do it so often that sometimes you need someone just to like shake you and wake you up and be like, bro, calm down. You're letting fear in. Let God in instead. Ooh, that's good. You're letting fear in. Let God in instead. I like that. I don't know. Plaster that all over your walls or something. But I think reminders for us. And I think also as soon as we feel that feeling, work on surrendering it instead of just soaking in it and making it bigger and bigger and bigger until it's something that you can't handle. And a beautiful verse that I think you guys would really benefit from memorizing is Job 11, 13 through 18, and it says, Surrender your heart to God. Turn to Him in prayer and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge, and your dark nights will be brighter than noon. You will rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. It's almost like if you don't let God, how can God help you with that portion of your life if you don't give him all the portions of your life? How can God help you with your fear if you haven't given him your heart, if you haven't given him your sins, if you haven't, like all these things. Like, I don't, I think God can work in your life, but you have to work on surrendering as well. Like, Elijah came to realize that he needed to surrender to humble himself and enable God to help him through it. And you notice that it did take actions from Elijah, but it was God-led actions. Ooh, love that. It was God-led actions. I get, guys, I get like weird voice changes sometimes, so I'm sorry. It's, yeah. But I think like those three things would be great. So, memorizing verses, having someone that keeps you accountable, someone that calls you out when you're letting fear in, and if you're letting fear in, let God in instead simple as that. No, it is hard. I'm not going to sit here and say I've accomplished it because I really have not. I'll go like, some months are better than others. Like, I'll be like, yes, I'm on top of the world. Like, I've given God all these fears. I haven't really been overcome with fears this month. And then the next month will be a lot. Because the thing is, the battle against evil is all the time. And 
they're always waiting and they look for the moments where you kind of just look away from God for one second. So your relationship with God is like an everyday thing. You can't expect God to heal all of your fears and everything if you're not putting your time into your relationship with Him and if you're not seeking more about Him and praying and all these different things. Like it's, it's an everyday thing, but you guys know about that, all that. But I'm just going to pray for you guys now. Um, and I'll let you go on your way. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It felt sort of all over the place, but we got the word in. We talked about God, and it was a great time otherwise. But, dear God, thank you so much for this space, for this person on the other side of the phone, that they're letting you in, that if they haven't let you in, they're working on it. I pray that you just rid them of their fears, that they would learn that they can trust you, that they would know that surrendering their fears to you is okay. Like, they don't have to be strong by themselves. They don't have to try to handle everything by themselves because their strength is nothing compared to God's strength, nothing compared to the strength that they can give them. I pray that they would know that their fears are not too much for God to handle. Actually, anything they're going through is not too much for God to handle. I pray that they would not confine God to a container, to a box, but that they would just know that He is amazing, all-powerful, all always present, that they would just feel that and be comforted in that. I pray that they would not feel alone, that they would be surrounded by others, that they would maybe um, start to invite those conversations with others who are also struggling with fear or anxiety or depression or anything like that, that they can start to talk about um, how they're going to let God in into those circumstances that God wants to be let into your dark areas of your life so that he can bring the light, so that he can help you through it. But I release all this to you. I l release my own fears to you, and I trust you, and I love you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Episode 3, loved it. Great time. Um, it's been really awesome to just get to be with you guys every Wednesday. So have a good rest of your week, and I will see you guys. <laughs> just kidding. I will talk to all of you guys next Wednesday. Bye.